Hello and welcome to Carl's Interviews in podcast form. This is an audio extraction of the live interviews that I've conducted with some absolutely fantastic guests from all walks of life with a common theme of being truly inspiring and I cannot wait for you to hear their story. I hope you enjoy. Hello and welcome to another of Carl's interviews. Today I'm joined by Commonwealth World and Olympic swimming medalist Dan Wallace. Dan and I will be talking about his whole swimming journey really, how he started at a young age, travelled over the States and became involved in the US collegiate system and then how that progressed to success on the global stage. So the first and obvious question I've got for you Dan is, where did it all start? Were you always naturally a good swimmer? How did you get into it? Uh, I mean, I naturally loved the water from a young age. I've got no bad memories about learning to swim or being in and around water because sometimes that can be quite a bit of a turn-off for, yeah. for kids, you know, if they're just a bit funny around being in the water because it can be quite daunting. Um, but I was always really comfortable around the water, so that was probably the first, you know, the first insight I got into to, to enjoying swimming. Um, and it really all started down in the Scottish borders in Duns, where I joined my first club, Duns AAC, when I was uh, nine years old. And I purely did it kind of socially with my other siblings. So I'm one of five. So at the time, it was I was one of four. So we all kind of just swam together, got us out of the house, gave mum and dad a bit of a rest. So we all swam together as kids. And I just... At that point, I was just doing it to do it, doing it because yeah. my parents told me to do it, and I, I enjoyed the social side of things. Yeah, I was pretty close to my siblings, so it was quite a nice thing for us all to do. Um, but it wasn't until way later where I was like, oh, yeah, I think I can be pretty good at this, or I was like, yeah, I want to take this a bit further. You know, from 9 to 13, 14, it was all just fun. And I did other things. I, I played rugby, you know, poorly. Um, I played <laughs> football poorly. Yeah. I was a, I was a solid runner. Um, you know, as I got older, I realised I was a bit more of an endurance athlete, not so much a power athlete. So rugby took a back seat, and I, I kind of got stuck into swimming. But yeah, I always tried to do as much as I could, and that, that that me trying to do as much as I can as a kid definitely transferred into the way I swam and the way I trained. You know, the events that I swam, I was trying to do as many things as I could, uh, as many events. Some people kind of specialise and they pick one right off the bat, yeah. whether it's going to be sprint or distance or breaststroke or butterfly, whereas I tried to do as much as I could and I tried to do everything I could. Um, so, yeah, so from, from 9 to 15, I just I slowly started to enjoy the competitive side of it a bit more and more, and I just I started to develop a bit of a hunger for just competing and racing um, I was certainly not winning any races on any national or Scottish level until until I was 15, until I made the move from the small club in the borders to Edinburgh. Yeah, I swam for a club called Warren de Bass, which had been a kind of powerhouse in Edinburgh for age group swimming for years, and they still are the top club in Scotland. So once I came up here and started to train with some, some of the older uh, guys and girls, I started to make, and, and that's when I started to mature physically as well. I was the skinniest guy behind the swimming box. And yeah. even at the big meets, I wasn't one of the big ones. I was one of yeah. the small ones. But I, it worked out in my favour the way I developed as a as an athlete. Um, 
you know, I trained hard and I swam fast when I was skinny. So when I started to grow and get bigger and stronger, it just started to really pick up then and it worked out really well because you see it across, especially in swimming, sometimes you'll get these like 10-year-olds and 11-year-olds that are just a bit bigger and they just wipe the field. But then what tends to happen is they then, everybody catches up with them because they've not had to work as hard. Of course. They've just been bigger and stronger and you see it in running, athletics, everything. You know, in swimming, it's a big thing. If you've got a bit more size and strength to you at a young age, then um, you do tend to to be a bit better. But I was I was skinny boy. I trained really hard. I started to enjoy it. I started to fill out um, physically. And that's when I started to really see the big gains. But yeah, it started off nine, but I was never winning any races until I was, you know, my late teens. It makes a lot of sense, actually, I suppose, that the fact that you had to work harder for it. And then presumably you had that strong work ethic and desire to continue through. So as the physical gains improved, then mm-hmm. you could kind of apply that to a better performance as well. Yeah, it definitely worked in my favour, the way I kind of developed. And yeah, I think that physically I, I didn't have the physical attributes as a young kid, but I had the mental, the mental side, you know, being okay with coming third and coming fifth and getting disqualified and, you know, looking to my right and left and being the smallest guy there, like, it didn't slow me down. Like mentally, it was all it was be preparing to be tough and you know to just keep going and battling on. And then when I did fill out, I was like, I had the mindset already of of someone that was determined and someone that had put in the work. So when my physical skills improved, um, you know, my mental side was already there. I was already ready yeah. to go. And I suppose that's quite unusual actually for a teenager because normally self-confidence is a bit of an issue, isn't it? And if you're getting knockbacks and setbacks, so was it purely from your own mental strength? Were there other influences that kind of helped you go, I can, I suppose, bank this and keep using it to build forward and be stronger? Uh, I mean, my parents were always so supportive when I swam. Um, they were always, because we're from a small club um, yeah. down in Duns, they were always kind of in and around the club, training, competitions, um, and I, I remember there was one time I, I got disqualified in this, this race. And I remember I didn't realize, I didn't even know I was disqualified. And my mum was like, oh, Dan, you got disqualified here. And I kind of, sh- I could, I was thinking I was a little bit upset because it was the yeah. first time you ever get disqualified. It's, it's not a nice time. Um, but I remember like those little setbacks, they never phased me because at that time I was still very much doing it because I, you know, I just enjoyed it. And I, I just, I've always had, a drive to compete, a drive to race. And, and I think that that's been my, definitely my strongest point throughout my career. Now that I look back, I can, I can kind of pinpoint it and I can actually appreciate that I had it from a young age. At that time, I didn't realise. I wasn't like, I was waking up and I was like, right, I'm going to race everyone and be the best. Yes. It was just it, it was just a subconscious thing that I had. I love to push myself and I love to kind of just go head to head with other swimmers. So... Whether I was going head-to-head for eighth place or head-to-head for first, it didn't matter at that point. Um, and I guess that the way the way I approached it, which at the time I didn't realise I was doing that, the way I approached it as a young kid was, you know, kind of gave me the skills to, to attack every race and every opportunity once I was older. Um, and I did pretty well, I think, for, because of that mindset. No, that makes complete sense. Do, do you think as well the fact that you're saying about your siblings, that they were swimming, you kind of grew up in that... I suppose, competitive environment, because presumably you were trying to beat them in everything you did, whether it was going for a run or fighting, whatever. Do you think that helped it as well? Oh, 100%, yeah. And and the way I competed, it was always a fun way of competing. Yeah. It wasn't like, there's no sore losers. It was like, no, yeah, no. Let's, let's race to that fence. So let's, let's race yeah. and train. And 
didn't matter if you won or lost. So yeah, the way I interact with my siblings, um, we're all like a year and a half apart, so we're all pretty, pretty, pretty close. And uh, there's two sisters and a brother. So me and my brother, obviously, we're he's two years younger than me. Um, you know, we had a lot of fun um, as a kid, uh, as kids like growing up. We had a lot of banter and a lot of. It was maybe it was a bit more serious between me and my brother, the competitiveness. Yeah, that and makes sense. Maybe there was a couple of sore losers from time to time, <laughs> but you know he kind of stuck with the rugby and he did pretty well with the rugby. So yeah, I think that both of us, um, you know, we, we definitely did well off the back of being so close as, as kids and then pushing each other, just you know, as as brothers do. So obviously, at fifteen, you start that physical development, and then in your later teens, you realise that you had a bit of potential or talent for this. What was the turning point where you realised that this could become something serious, where you could actually achieve some of the fantastic things that you had? Um, I remember there was one. There was one competition. So there's different squads you can make at an age group level in Scotland: okay. gold, silver, and gold squad. It's essentially the national squad. So. You, you work your way up the up the up the ranks. I remember going, and there was like holding camps. There was like Christmas training camps if you were yeah. in the bronze squad and silver squad and gold squad across Scotland. And I remember going to these things, and I was, as I said, I was a really good trainer at that age. I wasn't winning that many medals, but I remember training next to these guys that were way faster than me, like in on race day. And I was yeah. I was taking it to them. I was beating them, and I was like. You know, it gave me the confidence to be like, why? I can't just be beating them in training. Surely I'm, I must be good enough to beat of them in a race. Yeah. We had this holding camp, this Christmas camp, and then in January we went to this first competition. And the guys had been beating me for years, and then I just realised I was training way harder than them and better than them. You know, we were racing each other, and I was and I was beating them for the first time. So... I just I started to really believe in my training and and the mindset I had when it came to sessions and and weekly the weekly load I was doing and and just being able to transfer that and that you know what you're actually a lot you you're you're ready to start you know winning these races so um, yeah it was a bit of self belief really that that kind of just was was a trigger at that age. Um, and as I said before, that's when I started to fill out physically. Yeah, we spoke about the mindset I had as a kid, so it kind of all just came together. But yeah, it was it was a bit of self self belief for me, being like, you know what, mate, you 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 better than these guys. Um, you're training harder. The way you attack your sessions every day, there's no reason you can't be coming out on top. I think I had a little bit of confidence issues when it came to race day just because okay. the stakes were high that I couldn't really handle the pressure when I was a really like when I was 15 yeah I was always get to race day at race day and I'd always just doubt myself and think you know that guy's definitely going to beat me I don't know why don't know who he was but I was like I just think that he's going to come up come out on top and and they usually did but when I kind of when that self-belief trigger went off and I was like actually you, you can be the one winning these races that's when I started to make the big jump up, you know, 15, 16, 17, 18. Started making, you know, um, British junior teams, going to British nationals and, and winning medals there. And I remember the first two times I went there and I just thought everybody was better swimmer than me. But they weren't. But they, they were on the day because I thought like that. But I remember the next year I came back with just, I was way more confident in my racing skills. And, yeah, I started to beat these guys that I've just... I told myself were better than me but I had no idea if they were. 
obviously, I'm seeing as you progress, you adopt this almost stoic response where you had the mental strength and resilience. But during those times where you were struggling, then what would you say to anyone that's going through a similar thing? Because it's, it's amazing about athletes. You, you talk to them, they say a race can be won or lost before it's even begun because of that mental game. And if you, as you say, you look into your left and think he's going to beat me, you're already at a disadvantage. So what would you say to people trying to get past that? Yeah, I mean, so for me, I was, I, I never, never doubt myself when it came to training. I would go to training and I would apply myself and I'd listen to my coaches and I would, I would love, I, I enjoyed training. I enjoyed pushing myself. I enjoyed the, the social side of it. So I had a lot of fun in training. And then when it got to race day, for some reason, my mindset changed when I was a kid and I was like, oh, I'm, I'm not good enough to beat that guy. But in training, I was like, yeah, I can beat anyone here. I can race anyone. Because it didn't matter if you won or lost in training, but then it does matter in a race. So is it a think, you think then? I think, I think it's just, it's, it's, it's self-belief. At that age, it's quite hard because, especially if you've never really won a big race before, or you've never yeah. made a final. You know, you the first time you do it, it's like it's unknown to you. It's uncharted oh. water, so you have to just believe yourself. But you know, well, there's somebody has to win. That's what I used to always think. I used to always think somebody has to win this race, and if you're in the final or somebody has to make this final, if yeah. you have to make it, you know, why not? Why not it be you? There's no reason to, to count yourself out of the race before the race has started. So, you know, if you've got a lane, you've got a chance, is a saying in swimming, and, it, and it's, absolutely, it's absolutely right. Um, so, yeah, I think just I, I really enjoy training, so always enjoy the day-in, day-out graft and the social side of it. And then when it gets to race day, you've earned your spot there. You need to just back yourself. And if you've never won a race, you've never made a final, if it's the first time you're at the Scottish age groups, you're there, so yeah. why not? You know, why and not believe you can come well. on top? Say it again. Uh, I said, then there for a reason as well. You're not just yeah, there to yeah, make a number, yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy the amount of times I just I told myself I wasn't going to win the race before it started because there was guys that were maybe bigger or from different clubs I hadn't heard of in England, and yeah. I was like, oh, they must be better. But who knows? What's interesting is knowing the success you had, listening to this now, um, and it's obviously retrospectively we could say, well, whatever you built upon for that clearly made the difference in work. But it's interesting that, because there's an assumption made sometimes when people look at those that have succeeded, it's always, well, they must have been strong mentally, physically, they must have gone through, but clearly a massive part of yours have been the training as well. So for people that aren't familiar with the sort of training you must have had to do, what would a typical training day or week look like? Um, so when I was in like my late teens, so 16, 17, 18, um, up in Edinburgh, I was doing 10 sessions a week at that time, two hour sessions. So that's 20 hours just in the pool. Yeah. Um, I'm at high school at the time, so I'm in and out before 8am and then I'm in and out before straight after school, so 5 to 7. So yeah. it's pretty early, pretty late. Um, and that's, tw that's, that's 20 hours in the pool. At that age, I wasn't doing much weight, but I was doing a lot of dry land conditioning circuits, yeah. shoulder mobility. So that's another four hours, maybe even five hours a week. So you're looking at 25 hours wow. of, of hard training. Um, and for me at that age, when you were first starting to learn about fatigue and stuff, it didn't really yeah. phase me much. I was able to recover really well. So that was 25 hours of working pretty hard. As I got older... <laughs> I got smarter, 
and I realized that you don't have to smash up and down the pool every single yep. time you get in, <laughs> but you work on the areas that you're told to work of on, course. and you, and you go fast, and you're told to go fast, and you work on your weaknesses and your strengths. So it never went above kind of like 25, maybe, maybe 26 hours, but it changed from 20 hours in the pool, five hours on land to 20 hours in the pool and five hours in the gym. Um, yeah. lifting lifting weights um so yeah it was it was it's pretty grueling as as a young swimmer and then as you get older you're at university and the, luckily the times are slight you're not up as early you're still <laughs> up early you're still yeah. you're in the pool at eight rather than six which to a swimmer is like a lion yeah you know, sleeping. um but we're still we're doing about 20 hours in the pool and that's yeah. about if i'm if i'm going off like distance some of it might not really make sense, but we're looking at about 60 kilometers a week average, um, going up to 80 kilometers, you know, yeah. the big weeks around about Christmas time. And then leading up to competitions, we kind of taper it down to about 35, 40. Um, but yeah, I, I, it makes me sick thinking of how far I've swam. <laughs> you know, I've probably lapped the world maybe once, <laughs> which is crazy. <laughs> And I want to come on to shortly about your time, obviously, over in the States. But one question before that. You said about 25 hours of training a week. Was there ever any time where you kind of questioned it and you looked at maybe some of your friends that are going out a lot more and doing, I suppose, the more of the social thing? Did you ever think, actually, I want to stop? Or were you always driven and determined? Uh, no, I, I never felt like I was missing out on things. because I think it was I was lucky that the, the friends I had at, swimming practice in my club where I was so close with them yeah. and I'm so close to them now and like when I look back and like because because I swam here in America I've got like friends from all over the place from different parts of my life whether it's sport or non-sport but the this this the friends I've got from sport I'm so close with them and I think it's because like you're sacrificing the same things yeah you're going there at the same time you're working hard you know you're you're improving like you're you're going through the same stuff as them and it's usually, a lot of it's pretty hard and pretty tiring. So you've got that bond, that really, really close bond. But I was always, I obviously had loads of friends at school as well. I was pretty pally with them. But when they were going out the weekend, I was, maybe I was going out with them. And yeah. I was I was playing outside with them. But, you know, I was I was more committed to this, even just the social side of swimming. I felt like yeah. I, I got enough um, social interaction from going swimming, you know, than... I wasn't missing out on really? anything because I was like, I'm spending four hours a day with some of my best pals not yeah. out with school, you know? Yeah. And it's not yeah. just hanging around the park. It's we're doing something constructive. So yeah. those the friends that I had in swimming, there was more than enough social uh, aspect of it for me. That's a fantastic ethos. I mean, I did 13 years in the army and I had, I've got a different friendship from those I served with and went through some of the tough times for that same reason that the challenges bond you and it, I suppose it builds that common ground that others outside it may not have. Yeah, definitely. I think that, you know, you're surrounded by people that have got the same, more or less the same goals and the same mindsets and you're all gearing towards this competition or you, you're, all, you're all trying to be better than you were yesterday, yeah. you know, in the pool. And I think that you've all got that common goal and that common respect and you, you're going through the hard times together. It, it definitely brings you really, really close. And it's cool to have that at that age because um, there's all these kind of cliques at high school and if you of don't course. fit in, it's a bit, you know, it can be a bit funny at that age. So to have just a solid group of pals at swimming was so good for me. And obviously I've read that about your time over in the States and some of your performance over there. So what made you decide to go over there in the first place? Um, 
so basically to cut a long story short i was like right i want to train with the best swimmer in the world yep as you do um and i so and at that time i had no idea the best i was a swimming fan but i wasn't like one of those hardcore guys that right michael phelps pbs and whatever yeah. i just knew there was a lot of faster swimmers out there than me yeah and i wanted to be one of them so i googled where does the fastest swimmer in for medley swim? So that was my <laughs> individual medley. Yeah, yeah. And it's a guy called Ryan Lochte, um, <laughs> and he trained at the University of Florida. So I was like, Mum, we're going to the University of Florida. <laughs> like, that's it. So um, pestered the head coach there, Greg Troy, for months about trying to get a scholarship. And yeah, yeah. he was because at that age I was making my way up, but I wasn't a standout age group swimmer. I was a good age group swimmer. Yeah. And yeah. he was like, ah, I don't know, you're not, you're not quite there. You're not quite there. Basically, mum had a couple of glasses of wine and she emailed him back and was like, listen, <laughs> my son's going to be amazing. Like, you're, you're going to regret this if you don't take him. I got a call the next day. He's like, all right, you're coming to America. And I was like, sweet. That was, I, 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 I want, it's, it's a crazy story. Like, I, wanted, I just wanted to surround, I wanted to see how best did it. And yeah. I knew there was opportunities to go and train on scholarships in America, and the opportunity that that excited me alone. Like the new surroundings, you know, the 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 scene out there for sport in college and at university is amazing. Yeah. So once I figured out that this Ryan Lochte guy swam there, and I and I was like, I want to train with him. I then started to learn so much about how it all works out there compared to over here, and there was some good options over here. Um, Sterling at the time was a pretty good uh, place to go. Bath and Loughborough. I just, I don't know, I just felt like I wanted to do something a bit different. Um, and the University of Florida was a great match for me because one, this Ryan Lochte guy plus others were there, but they'd actually had a good reputation of taking on Brits in the past. So, okay. um, ex world record holder in the women's 100 backstroke swam there. Um, we've had a whole range of British athletes go to the University of Florida and do really well. So, because what, what can happen sometimes is these universities can kind of bribe you with these fancy scholarships, but really it's not actually, like, it's not it's not as good as they say it is. Yeah. So some of these lower division schools can bribe you with these, you know, full ride scholarships, but they don't really, especially if you wanted to be an international swimmer like I did, you know, they focus very much on the collegiate system and not the, yeah. not the international scene. But Florida had a great reputation of producing Olympians, and working well with the British swimming as well. So that for me was kind of the, the big reason I chose to go there. And going back to this Ryan Lochte guy, I remember the first time I walked in there, it was like I saw my idol and I was like, <laughs> man, I'm going to train with this guy. But the first time we got in the pool together, he's he's in one lane, I'm in the other, and he's absolutely yeah. smoking me. I'm like, okay, maybe it'll be a little while until yeah. we're racing each other. But at least I could, you know, study the guy and see yeah. how he does it and learn from the best and see why he's so yeah. And it was it was cool. It it worked out well. I think just having that mindset and just being like whatever it takes to be the best and learn from the best and you study them and That's yeah, awesome. you you kind of you learn from them. It's really cool. And how did you find the transition then? So obviously swimming where you were in Scotland and then going over to Florida and doing this. Um, I loved it. I loved the transition. Um, you know, going from being an eighteen-year-old kid here, I was, you know, I was I had a good social life, great family here. But to go there, like the sense of freedom, I loved. A lot of first-year students feel it, love it. Mm -hmm. I love the sense of freedom and like kind of being your own person. And I was other side of the world, so it was like really, really cool for me. And I loved it. And just yeah, the lifestyle they had there. I, well, 
I still got like a sore thumb because I'm this pasty ginger boy from Scotland. I didn't and they're all these cool Florida guys. And it's like, yeah, so I stuck out like a sore thumb. But people loved it. People, yeah. people liked it. Um, but I, you and I, yeah, so I liked it. And I got welcomed with open arms there. And it was cool because I was living so far away from home. Yeah. The coaches and the university staff and my teammates, like, some of them were local guys from Gainesville, Florida, and they kind of really took me in, and I kind of felt like I had this family away from, from away from my family. So yeah. yeah, I had this little American family, and and we're still all really really close. So yeah, it was it was cool to kind of just be welcomed the way I was, and and fit in, even though my sounded different and I wasn't as <laughs> tanned as them. You know, I still felt like I I was fitting in pretty well. So the transition, I loved it. I loved the transition. And at what stage during the time over there did you start to kind of hold your own or compete? Because from what I've learned, it's, it, it wasn't quite as easy to start, but you kind of grew into it and your real international talent then started displaying itself. Yeah, well, the first challenge about going over there and racing was, um, so they tra- they race in uh, what's called short course yards, yes. so 25 yes. yard pools, whereas over here it's 25 metres and 50 metres. So that was the first the first thing I had to get my head around, and it's it's not too it's just a slightly shorter pool, but yeah. as far as swimming, um, as far as swimming terms, you have to be really good at your turns, and I wasn't very good at my turns, <laughs> so I had to quickly become very good at my turns. Yeah. So the good thing about that is that was a weakness of mine, and I had to improve that if I wanted to keep up with that these American sense. swimmers. So by going there and training short course yards, my turns really, really significantly improved. I was still never one of the best, but I, just, I got by and, and it, made, it helped me work on one of my biggest weaknesses. Um, so that was kind of the biggest thing. So it took me about a year and a half until I started to become one of the, the, the top range swimmers, in, even within just my team, University yeah. of Florida team. Um, as a freshman, I made the, made the national championships with the team, but I think I made a B final, and that was about it. Sophomore year, um, I think I got second in two races, and then we won the relay. So slowly, it started to come together. Yeah. And the the cool thing about the American, or the cool thing about Florida, sorry, was that we had these really high intense collegiate dual meets and national championships. But then Florida, as I mentioned before, they really do focus on the long course international scene as well. So as I saw my short course yard swimming improve, yeah. I then also I, every summer I'd go back to the uh, to the to long course competition international scene and, and start to do really really well. Uh, it wasn't until I was out there I made my first senior team. So 2013, so my second year at Florida, I made the first my first British team. So as my short course yards improved, my long course improved as well, which is really good to see because sometimes what happens is swimmers go out there and they get really good at the short course yards, but they can't back it up in the big pool. So we say some some people can be really quick in the small pool. They can't back it up in the big pool. But I knew Florida focused on both. So yeah. both of mine improved at the same rate, which is exactly what I wanted to happen in Florida. And then I suppose it's that point from 2013 to 2018 where we see the tremendous success you went through. I mean, I was trying to think of a way of summarising it. It's just not possible, is it? Look at your success with the Commonwealth Games, um, the World Champs, the Olympic side... So, I guess, what was your biggest introduction to it in terms of the first major event you went to that you thought, this is serious, this is real now? Yeah, so it all did happen pretty quickly. So, going back to 2013, I made my first British senior team, went to the World Championships in Barcelona, 
I think I made the final actually. So I got, I think I got seventh or eighth, and I, that was cool. But I never really felt like I had arrived at that point. I okay. was still, still fresh to the scene, still a nobody. Yeah, it wasn't until the year after 2014, home Commonwealth Games, yes. and I just, I just had a really good uh, short course season in America. So I yeah. knew I was doing well, but there's always a gamble of can he back up in the big pool? Of course. Um, so I went there with pretty good ambitions because I knew a lot of the guys I was going to race there. I knew the South African and the Australian boy who were the top two seeds. I knew them well. I trained with one of them in Florida, so we were we were teammates. Both were teammates in America, but were rivals yeah. in the international scene. So at that competition, and going back to what I said before about like doubting yourself before the race because you've never done it before, you've never yeah. won that race, you've never made that final. I was suddenly put in those shoes again because I was in the final of the 400 individual medley, and I was top seed after the morning. I'd just broken the the game's record in the morning, so like I was the guy to beat. But I never won a race of that standard in my life. And I, for a split second in the in the call room, in the ready room, before you go out, I was like, I felt like a little kid again. And I was like, I've never, <laughs> never won an international medal. How am I? How am I supposed to do it? <laughs> so for a second, I doubted myself. But then yeah. I kind of, I was in Glasgow, home crowd, yes. whole family there. Yeah, yeah. That just, that just drove me. And I was like, yeah, right. I'm going in this to win it. Like, that's it. I'm, I'm gonna. I, I believe in myself. I can do this. And it was the same. The first time I believed in myself as a little kid, you know, when I was 15, suddenly going from missing the final to winning a bronze medal, the same happened in yep. the call room before that medley. Really, I was the, the medley race. Sorry, I was like, right, I'm here. Then why not win it? You know, you're sitting yeah. in lane four already. You're the fastest qualifier. Yeah. Don't, don't like, don't quit before you even start. So it was the same. Looking back now, I never really thought about it, but looking back now, it, the same thing happened. <laughs> when I was 15, the, the day I just believed myself yeah. that I, someone has to win it, why not be you? The same thing happened in, in the call room for the 400 IM at Commonwealth Games. And it worked out quite well, I think. You know, I guess I won the race. So yeah, it you worked. did indeed. That, I watched it. <laughs> yeah, and then like, going from there. So that was the first, that, that's when I thought, right, yeah, I can do this. I can, yeah. I can, I can battle with the big dogs. I can, I can win medals. And from there, it just kind of, it just really took off and, yeah, when you say Commie Games, World Champs, Olympics, all within three years. Yes. You know, and I, I'm fortunate enough I came out with a bunch of medals. But yeah, it was Commie Games that really just made me believe that I can, I can win these medals. And I'm not just going to be one of those guys that make the team and that's yes. it. You know, I want to be one of the guys that make the team every year and contribute and make finals and win medals. Because I just, I love to do It's fun to win races when you're nine. It's cool to win races <laughs> when there's 90,000 people watching you as well. You know, There's a kick out of both. <laughs> and I bet as well, I mean, the home crowd must be absolutely incredible. I mean, you, I suppose you almost floated out as you then went on and went away. Yeah, I remember like, it was the best crowd I've ever, well, one of the best crowds I've ever, uh, ever experienced. And I think that, so I'd already had, I'd already won two medals that week, gold and silver. Yes. So the yeah. last day, 200 medley, I'm yeah. like, right, I'm, I'm going to wear my kilt because I was, I was on, I was high as a kite. I was like, I'm ah, doing great. So I'm going to wear my kilt. Get me to ask you about. So he's, yeah. he's stolen the question already. <laughs> so I wore my kilt out for the race, and I just remembered when the Scottish crowd saw that. I mean, this ginger guy, Dan Wallace, <laughs> might as well be called Braveheart, walks out in a kilt. Scots like that. The Scots like that, and I really felt that, and they just the place erupted, and I was like, wow. <laughs> 
<laughs> and like the fourth swimming race, it's usually pretty quiet and pretty tense, and you know everyone's waiting for the whistle. The Scotch crowd would just kept shouting, kept shouting, and they had to like quiet them down and ask them. And I was like, I was milking it up. I was like, this is fantastic. This is great. And then yeah, I won a silver medal in that race, which I didn't really didn't expect going into the week. Like the week before, I didn't expect that. So yeah, the crowd were awesome there. Um, the crowd were awesome, and you know, everyone's stamping their feet and chanting Wallace. It was a pretty patriotic moment, I guess. Yeah. And did that though? Obviously, you do your homecoming games. You get an individual gold or silver, a relay silver. Presumably, then you're that guy to beat. You're the one that you were saying about before. You were looking left and right at them. People are now doing the same with you. Did that change yes. the way you approached it, or how you thought? I know. I, I maybe slightly. Maybe slightly. Maybe it did change the way I approached my races slightly. You suddenly, you've got this target on your back, yeah, yeah. and unless you fully embrace it, it can become pretty heavy. So I, I enjoyed being the guy to beat because I was, I, I was the guy to beat in some aspect, but there was still, I wasn't the world record holder. So there was, <laughs> you know, on the day, yeah, I won it at Comedy Games, but I knew that going into World Championships, I had the Americans to deal with. So whilst I had my, t- I talked about for some people. There was still people I was still trying to trying to beat as well. So there's always ways to you know you, you don't get too comfortable at the top because so there's, sometimes there's a double peak, there's a hidden there's a hidden peak. So there's always someone else to to target as well, unless you are outright you know outright the best of the best, which I wasn't. So whilst I felt I had arrived and you know people wanted to start to beat me, I was still I was there was still loads of goals I wanted to to pursue and I wanted to get my time faster and. Yeah, I want to win a, a Commonwealth medal, but I want to win Olympic medal as well. There's always, yeah. I always find another way that I can step up and keep my foot on the gas because as soon as you take your foot off the gas, you've got a thousand, you know, hungry teenagers that are <laughs> just, they just want to be you. They want to race the way you race and win the medals that you've won. So as soon as you take your foot off the gas, because they're going 100 miles an hour behind you. You know, you you gotta you gotta keep you gotta find ways to keep yourself motivated. Even if you know that you're one of the top guys and you're doing well, you gotta find you gotta keep you gotta keep it going. You gotta keep believing in yourself and and keep finding ways to stay hungry and um, for success and for improvement. No, that, that makes sense, and it's it, as interesting because you've had a lot of success in relays, haven't you? Obviously, um, gold in Kazan with a relay, silver in the Olympic. So. From your side, what's different in how you have to approach it or deal with it, the pressure when your work is part of the team, um, whereas when you're doing it individually? I mean, as far as the, the performance, like the actual race, it doesn't change because there's four guys in the team, but you've all got either 100 or 200 metres to swim. Yeah. So you approach that 200, say it's front crawl freestyle, you'd approach the race, you'd race exactly the same as if it was an individual race, 200. But the good, the cool thing is you get a, a moving star and you're with the four guys and there's a bit more energy and you can imagine what it's like in the the, the call room for the Olympics when there's eight guys, eight yeah. macho, you know, <laughs> alpha male athletes in there. The testosterone is pretty high, it's pretty tense. You imagine there being four for every team, so suddenly there's you know, four times as many yeah. people. <laughs> the call room for the relays at the Olympics and World Championship was like, it was crazy. It was like this. There was all these guys that were just ready. It was like, right, my my pals against your pals. You know, it was like really. It was it was it's exciting though. Um, yeah. So yeah, I love the relays though, and I I saw a lot of relays in America, 
we did a lot of racing and realised yeah, so and I'm I'm a very much a team team player, love to be in a team atmosphere. Um so I when it came to racing, I love the individual pursuit and the individual success, but the, the relays are something that I always find it a bit easier. Because okay. you you can't get too stressed or worried because you're just there with your mates. At the end of the day, it's you and your three mates battling those guys over there. You know, I found it really fun being the wheelies and really exciting. So I definitely approached it the same I would as a, a normal race, but you just, you've got that extra bit. And there's, there's some athletes you see it in track and field, you see it in swimming and other sports that are able to find a, something special in a yeah. relay. Um, and I think I was one of those guys that I was able to find a little bit extra juice when it comes, when it came to a relay. So yeah, I always enjoyed the wheelies and I agree they're probably one of my strongest things. I dare I say there's probably not many that refer to a gold in the world champs and then a silver in the Olympics as having a swim with some of my mates. <laughs> Downplaying that slightly. I mean, it depends <laughs> who your mates are, really. But, yeah, um, yeah. Uh, well, that's the thing. It's, at the end of the day, you're doing the same as what you did when you were nine. And that's the yeah. mindset I had. And, 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 and I think it treated me quite well. So you reached 24, um, you know, which is still relatively young in anyone's eyes, let alone the, and the world of sport. And then you decide, that's it, enough's enough. Yeah. As simple as that, that really. No, I don't know. I was, um, after the Olympics, I kind of went through what they call the Olympic blues. And I, 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 they're real. I felt it. I was, you know, this, I was on a pedestal. And then I moved back from America. And I was training at Sterling. And I was just like, right. Coach is like, right, write down your goals for the next Olympic cycle. It's like, okay, go to Commonwealth Games, win win a medal at Worlds, win a medal at Olympics. And I was like, not to brag, but I was, I've just done that. So yeah. for me, like it was always about doing something new that I'd never done before that really excited me. So I was like, right, I've, you know, my goals are never to be the best swimmer that's ever walked the planet. It was just to be one of the best and to compete at that level. That was my goal. Yeah. So I was really fortunate enough that I'd done that and I was like right I can go another four years and then maybe another four years after that and, and try and win a bunch more of these medals but I'm going to be 35 and I'm going to be like right now what is and all I'm going to know is swimming being an athlete and I'm like I'm 24 I'm in a really unique situation where I can say I was you know I applied myself to something and I succeeded at it at a young age and now I can like go on and do, do other great things why be just great at one thing when you can try and be great at a handful of things. That was my mindset going into it. And I started to, I still love swimming and I still do love swimming, but I started to kind of fall out of it a little bit and, and not quite have the same drive. Because I think that in the back of my head, I was like, you're, you're chasing the same goals as you did four years ago. Yeah. So I still, so 2016 to 18, I was training for Worlds and Commies the same way I had done four years ago. And it just yeah. wasn't really like enough for me. I just knew in the back of my, my heart wasn't in it the way it was when I'd never done it before. So I'm always, the way I, the way I work is if, if I've never done it before and I want to do it, it's really exciting for me. If I've already done it, you know, there's, there's not, there's, the flair's not there. And, yeah, I, exactly. and I slowly started, to, I figured that out. Um, but I, I set myself a goal 2018. I was like, I'm going to finish it. I'm going to, I'm going to go seven Commonwealth Games and, I went there with a really fresh mindset because it was my last. I'd never had a yeah. last before. So that was still, yeah. that was a, a, a first. My last was my first. So I went into that with a pretty good mindset. And yeah, finished at 24. It's pretty young, but 
I stand by it and I absolutely, you know, sometimes I think, oh, I see, I've still got those friends that are teammates and they're all going to these next Olympics and worlds and yeah, I've missed the racing, but I, I stand by the decision to, to, to call it when I did because I think that now I can go on and do hopefully a bunch of other cool things. That's the plan. Uh, and in fairness, a really brave decision as well and fair play to you for sticking by it. So beyond Moose the Pup, what else have you done since retiring from swimming? Um, so I've, I've I've just launched my own business actually called the Swim Experience. Okay. And it obviously revolves around swimming, but the t- transition from um, elite sport to the next step, like a lot of people were like, is you know, it can be quite rough. It can be quite yeah. challenging. I loved it. There was tough times. There was dark times. There was like, what am I doing with my lifetimes? But um, I really have enjoyed figuring out what it is I want to do other than be a be remembered as a swimmer. Um, so I was like trying to write this CV and send it to these big companies. And I'm like, how do I write? I was a really good swimmer, and you know, <laughs> in an employable way. Yeah, because you're not gonna you're not gonna get hired because you're you can swim up and down the pool, pool fast. But there are a lot of employable skills that you learn along the way from being an athlete or being involved in sport. So I kind of pinpointed those and I thought, right, what was I good at? You know, the mind, my mindset, my dedication, my hard work, my you know, ability to be a leader and a good teammate, all yeah. these things. I was like, man, if I was like told these as a kid, I think I could do some really cool things because all those things I just mentioned there, motivation, commitment, leadership, teamwork, dedication, you, if you do those things in any industry, you're going to be successful. Of course, yeah, yeah. So I was like, I can kind of be a bit of a mentor here and I can share my experiences using those things in the sporting world but articulate in a way that you can apply it in anything you do so the some experience what we do is we offer motivational mentor workshops for kids aged 14 to 18 in schools hopefully across the country one day yeah. and I basically just share my experience of being an athlete um, and, and ways that I've thought mentally and how it let me do achieve what I've achieved, and think it, and, and just say to these kids, listen, you can if you think like this. Whether you want to be an artist, a scientist, a doctor, a lawyer, you're going to be good at it if you believe in yourself and you and you, you teach yourself these things. And then we also focus a lot on outdoor swimming, so we take them to the outdoors, do some open water swimming, which is pretty fun and exciting. Something I do quite a lot now. It's and we kind of we kind of balance the, the two and kind of give them a unique experience about. You know, it gives them a pretty cool outlook on life and it's, it's hopefully enjoyable. Um, so that's kind of what I've been doing since since quitting, uh, since quitting, since retiring. So, yeah. um, and at first I was like writing a business plan, which I'd never done before. And those days I was like, what are you doing, man? Like, just get back <laughs> in the pool, get back in the pool. Yeah. But no, nah, I want to do something different and I want to make it as successful as I was in the pool. So, yeah, I've loved, I love the transition. And, you know, I've, before I got to there, I was event manager. I was working in the event industry. I was working in hospitality. I was, you know, I was doing everything I needed to do to to keep you know cash flow going and stuff. Yeah. And I loved that ex- experimenting with finding out what I liked and what I didn't like career wise, and then landing on my feet with okay, you're going to run your own business because I think you'll be good at that, and, and this is what you're going to do because you're passionate about that and you've got the experience. And I think that people are going to really appreciate what you have to say and the lessons that you're trying to to give, to give these kids. Um, and then we also we also focus a bit on the outdoor swimming and the, the motivational side. 
we offer um, kind of day courses for businesses as well. So taking a group of clients away, chucking them in the cold water to wake them up and then giving them a bit of a, a motivational workshop, you know, it, it works out to be pretty successful and, and, and people love the idea of it. So um, it's still very much a new, it's still very much a new business, but, you know, it's getting there. It's been slowed down a little bit from COVID, but, you know, we're going to bounce back and people are going to hopefully really appreciate it. I just, and I love the idea of that, and it's so true that the fact that those principles can be applied. And it's the visions of a manager brief his team and saying, right, what we're going to do is we're going to jump in a cold lake in Scotland, um, get you all started, and yeah. then hoping he hasn't lost them at that stage already. Yeah, it's exciting. It's different. It's fun. I, lo- I love it. I love it. I love trying to, like, be my own boss and, and figure it out and try and direct the business. It's It's cool. I really do enjoy it. You spoke as well about, um, obviously, during the time, some of the darker times as well. So what was it that got you through those to continue as you are, to sort of positively and looking forward? Yeah, so obviously there was, I had a couple of hiccups along the way, I'm not going to lie. And, and I think that my latest one, um, with the biggest one, you know, when I was in Sterling and, um, you know, I basically got, you know, DUI, not, not something I'm proud of, really big mistake for me. But what it made me realise was, you know, I would never have put myself in that situation um, because because I, I loved the sport so much and I was so ingrained yeah. and I was so focused. So I put myself in a situation that got me, you know, in a lot of trouble and, and, and set me back a lot. And I thought, okay, there's a bigger picture here. Why were you in that situation? And it was because, as I said before, my heart wasn't in the sport anymore. I wasn't acting like an athlete that was in it to win it. I wasn't all in. So it made me realize maybe you don't want to be swimming anymore, you know? So it kind of opened my eyes to the to the yeah. option of maybe, you know, maybe hang up the goggles when you can, you know? So the, the, those dark times made me realize that there's a bigger picture and that, you know, to to to, to, to make sure you do what you love if you can and, and, you know, follow your dreams. And at that point, my dream wasn't to be a swimmer anymore. It was to be something else. So... Um, you know those, those dark times. There was there was a light there in the tunnel, and there was also a silver lining. And and being able to realize, okay, maybe your time in swimming is it's it's treated you well, and you've loved it. But don't hang on to it because you think that you have to keep going. Yeah. You know you you have to be in this thing. You have to be a hundred percent in it. And I I obviously wasn't, and that's why I got myself in that situation. But looking back now, it was a pretty black and white. You know wake-up call and you know and I, I became a better person from it and it allowed me to start to do things that I do love as much as when I when I was loving swimming you know the way I approach my day-to-day life now is is the way that I approached my swimming back in the day so it's made me you know more motivated and stronger and, and happier um, because of the incident I got myself in. I've got to say, during all these chats I've had, um, it's very easy, especially with the success you've had, to just bestow the virtues of all those good things. The fact that you've had the humility to actually turn and say, I got this bit wrong and it taught me a lesson, that says a lot about you as a man and how you've grown. And I think it's indicative of how you're going to continue to succeed. The fact that you've looked at it and you're not afraid to admit, actually, I did do something wrong here and I've learned from it. And I think it's really important. So fair play to you for that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I know. I appreciate that because... You know, I never like talk. Nobody ever likes talking about the mistakes you made, whether it's a tiny mistake or a big mistake. But you, you definitely do learn from it, and whatever you learn from it is up to you. But um, yeah, I think it was a silver lining. So you know, I, I, I'm, I'm okay to talk about it because 
I don't just talk about the, the you know, the, the, the downfall and then leave it at that. I think, yeah. okay, I made this mistake, but I learned from it and it allowed me to do this. And this is the way I approach things now because of that. You know, there's always going to be a positive side to any scenario. Um, so that's kind of the way I approach it. And, and I think it works. So people love the idea of the swim experience, which I'm sure many of those watching this live now on Catch Up will do. How can they find out more about it and how can they potentially book you to come and talk to some of their schools or students or anyone else? Yeah, so um, I do a lot of my, my personal social media, um, which is the one I'm on now, but there's also theswimexperience.com and the swim experience on Instagram um, are going to have loads of updates Hopefully going to be rolling some stuff out soon now that things are starting to loosen up uh, in the economy and, and business-wise so I can start rolling things out again. But yeah, if you follow me or if you're aware of what I'm doing, you'll probably see me mention them. Mention them. Um, and hopefully, yeah, hopefully it's going to be a really big year for me um, and I can really help grow this and help impact as many people as I can through the business and, and through what I have to do and say. Dan, I really enjoy this and it's actually been significantly more enlightening than I could ever could have imagined. Um, I wish you every success with the swim experience and I'd be utterly shocked if people don't want to hear more from you and learn some of the lessons you have. Thank you so much for your time this evening. No, thank you very much. It's been awesome to come on and, and help support your podcast. It's, it's really cool to see what you're doing um, and the, the guests you've had on already. So um, hopefully I've not been too boring and I've given you a, a cool insight into, into <laughs> my life and what I'm doing and I really appreciate the, 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 the kind words and the support as well. It means a lot. So thanks for that. Not boring the slice. And what I'd like to do is um, maybe next year have another catch up and see how the swim experience has grown and um, the success you've had with that as well. Yeah, definitely. We'll get a part two lined up um, and down <laughs> the line. That sounds good. Super. Well, take care of yourself and have a lovely evening. All right. Cheers. Bye bye. And that concludes another interview for the day. Thank you to each and every one of you for listening. And as ever, if you have any feedback, send it through to me at my Instagram handle at fighting underscore the underscore dadbot. Enjoy the rest of your day.